be spending four Sundays preparing, uh, slowing the pace of the season down so that we don't kind of blitz past Christmas, just sheer momentum having been built. We want to slow things down a little bit so we can get some traction on incarnation and what all that, that, uh, that means for us. So, uh, and then we'll pick up the last half of Ephesians in the new year. Uh, Paul, as we've mentioned before, divides his letters in half. The first half is theology. The second half, more or less, is practice. So we're coming to the kind of the, 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 the focal point of the first half of the book before he starts to, okay, now this is what this means in terms of how you treat your wives and how you work in a place of employment and how you, um, you know, um, negotiate um, the realities of, of life um, in, in church and so on and so forth. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, in, when we were in chapter one, a few weeks ago now, I mentioned that to me, that was kind of the, the uh, half dome of, of scripture for me. It's just scary to be there, and and if you can kind of keep that in mind, this one is Everest. This is this is uh, uh, kind of gives us a glimpse this morning. If 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 God is is uh, uh, will will enable us uh, to to kind of take a peek, just a moment into the very center of the universe, into that into the very heartbeat that that makes the kind of the whole solar system go round the whole universe goes round this this centerpiece this 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 place at the center uh that is is the foundation for the entirety of creation which is the love of god and so this morning that's what we're going to spend some time on just just centering into this text that celebrates this kind of axle around which the entire universe spins um and and so if you can imagine it, it, this 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 core of calm, this centered piece that does not vibrate, that does not quiver, that does not wobble, that just remains completely still and enables all of the other things that are worrying around about it not to lose their place. This center is the love of God that gives frame, meaning, significance, and balance to the remainder of the universe that declares God's glory. And so in the center of this text today, if you want to look with me at it, it's Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read through it, and then we'll just come back and, and walk through it again. Remember that Paul has been framing this for his readers in that Asia Minor Valley area, seven churches, of Asia Minor that are then picked up, and John deals with them in um, Revelations chapter 2 and 3. These same seven churches are on the circuit for this letter, which finally comes to rest in Ephesus. Paul's major concern is that these, this church, which is, 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 is equal numbers of, of Jewish heritage and Gentile heritage coming together to form a new community, framed around the love of God, um, and, and, and now serving as a witness uh, to the grace and glory and goodness of God in that, in that region. So this is where we are. He begins in verse 14. He says, For this reason um, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
And I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray then that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is already at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is a powerful text, and, and I think just even reading it over, you can see why I think of it as this massive mountain that we have to kind of work with this morning. So we'll go back at the beginning, and, and he starts off for this reason in the first uh, couple of verses of the first half of, of the third chapter. He has talked about the, the joining together of this community, Jew-Gentile, under the magnitude of, of God's gl- grace and glory, and, and, and now... Uh, Paul's pastoral heart comes out. He is praying for this church. Uh, It's one of the most powerful and effective things a pastor can do for his church is to pray for them. It's one of the three primary tasks of pastoral ministry, the other two being attention to the word and the care of souls. So this is Paul's pastoral apostolic prayer for this church and for the other six churches that are, are, are centered around this um, valley area. And he prays for them. And notice what he does here, because he has been very concerned for this church and all of these churches, that, that these ancient um, divisions, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, uh, that these divisions will still work their way into the fabric of their community and, 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 and kind of tear them apart inevitably from one another. So he... He knows that if that happens, which is what the enemy is largely working on over and over and over again, if that happens, their capacity to be useful to God in saving the world is diminished, right? And so his prayer is that they be reminded, he prays, and notice how subtly he gets in this, before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So notice what he's doing here. Our primary way of self-identity is linked to who we are in relation to Him. Because He is who He is, we are who we are. Because He is our Father, we are His children, and you all are my brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? So, so what he's praying here in the beginning of this passage is just a complete shift. My primary way of understanding myself is not first Jew or Gentile or male or female or slave or free or, or any other ethnic or racial or club ways of knowing, tribal identities of knowing. No, those things are secondary or tertiary or so far off the map as to be irrelevant now because my primary identity is related to him as my father 
I am his child, and you all are my brothers and sisters. You see what he's doing here? He's inviting us into a community, a family, that every family on earth derives its nation, its identity from its relationship to the Father. And so now we, who are who, who kind of get this, our families have been split and fragmented and torn by ethnicities and race and language and culture throughout the centuries. Now, Father God is seeking to restore His family so that, so that, that, that we can gather around that Thanksgiving table, if you will, right? And everybody has a place. Everybody has a name tag with their name on it. Everyone is joined together under the fatherhood of God. Previous ways of disconnection set aside because of the work that he has been doing on earth uh, and, and, and in the heavens. So that's the framework for what he's doing here, right? And building on that, he says, that, I should warn you, I get, I get really intense in this one. This is the only way I can keep the train from coming off the track. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, sorry. But anyway, I, I pray that out then of his glorious riches, out of those glory in, in the New Testament, really in the Old, is the means of revelation. It's how God shows up. His glory is, is the way that he is seen, right? So out of his glory, out of his ways of revelation, out of his uh, wonderful riches, he, he can strengthen you, this is his prayer, with power through his spirit in your inner being. And, and as he comes back on this, so out of the resources of heaven, I'm praying, Paul says, for you, that, that the inner life, your inner being, who you are at the center, remember that core of calm around which the entire universe, well, it, micro that down to your existence and at the very center of who you are, I am praying that God strengthens you by his power, this dunamis that spoke the universe into being. I want it to be actualized in your life at the very center of who you are, working to establish a foundation and a frame so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. This is a, 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 one, of, one of the elements that we want to, want to just sit with for just a minute, is that this, this is how God uses power. God does not use power to acquire more power. God uses His power to empower, establish, and strengthen His creation, and particularly, in this case, you. He knows that if the weight of Christ's presence were to settle on the foundation of our souls now, it would crush us. And so he prays into our fragility, into our brokenness, into our fragmentation, into our, 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 our weakness. He prays the strength of the power that spoke the universe into being so that this foundation is adequate to carry the weight of the presence of Christ in our hearts. That's the imagery that he's cultivating there. Do you, do you see what he's doing? And so this is his prayer, so that Christ can dwell in your hearts by his spirit uh, in your inner being, so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. This, this, and, and this idea, I wish I had time to unpack this, but this idea of dwelling is this, so that Christ can just make himself at home. 
You know how sometimes maybe you experience it on Thursday, you go into some people's places and you're just afraid you're going to slip off the slip covers on the, you know, the plastic and you just you know, kind of walk on the, on the runners that are established. For, it's not home. He wants Christ to be home when he dwells in your heart. And he is willing to do the work to enable that reality to be actualized in you. That's amazing to me, right? Now, here's how he does it. I pray, secondly, this is how, that you, being rooted and established in love, and, and then we'll finish up the rest. But he, so, so here's what he, he two metaphors, rooted and established, one from agriculture, one from construction of the building trades. So the idea here of being rooted is, is what happens when, a, when, a, when an oak tree or a, a, a tall uh, tree is, is, is established. That, that, that rooting is, in, is, is, there, there, is there is some sense that, that out, if you can imagine the drip line of, of a, the canopy of a tree and then imagine the root structures going out twice as far and deep to support the weight of that that tree as it blows in the wind, right? So that it doesn't blow over because it's rooting deeply enough. It has broken through the cracks and the crevices and the fragmentation and the brokenness and has grabbed a hold of the soil so that when the wind begins to blow, there's calm at the center. It doesn't get blown over. It has a tensile strength. I was reading this week that, that bamboo, one of the fastest growing trees in the world, when it peaks its head up finally above the, above the dirt, it can grow as much as two and three inches a day. And it just skyrockets in some, some versions of it to, to, towards the sky, right? But before it ever peaks, it's, it's ten years in developing a root structure to sustain that kind of growth vertically. How many of you know that God is still working on some foundational root structure in your life right now? You'd like to see some stuff starting to peak up, but right now we're still doing some hard and difficult work in the dirt. The roots are still going down deep. They're still looking for the water. They're still establishing. And the truth is the depth of the roots is, is, is reflected in the height of the tree. So my prayer is that you be rooted in what? In love, in Christ, in the strength of his power. Do, do you see? Now, why? Because that's the center of the universe. That's the axle around which the entire universe turns. That's the core. That's the calm at the core. That's the center that holds it all together. Everything in, is in vibration around that calm core. The axle is what makes the wheel possible, right? And so, so I, want you to be, I, I want you to be rooted. I want those roots to go down deep in, into the brokenness and into the, through the soil and grabbing a hold and hanging on so that when the tree finally begins to... Because remember, remember, he is not building a foundation for the next 25 or 30 or 50 or 100 years. You, in your essential being, will be building on that root structure for the next 10 to 15,000 years. You will never die. 
And that root structure in love is what enables you as the as the, the full expression of your whole life begins to flourish, that root structure that you're working on, that he is working on right now, is what will enable the towering tree that you will become. The second imagery here, he says, is, is established. It's a construction term, and it refers similarly to the foundation, the, the footings and, 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 and foundations of, of, of a building. That, that it, and, and again... I've done five different building programs in church life over the years that I've been pastoring. And in the same thing again, you spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months in the dirt with nothing apparently seeming to be showing for it. You're working on getting the electrical in. You're working on making sure the plumbing connections are made. You're working on on making sure the the footing and foundation is adequate to support the building that is going to be built on it. Some of us uh, still remember the the, um, for me, it was with amazement when the World Trade Towers collapsed uh, in, 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 as a result of the terrorist attack, how much of the building was simply swallowed up in the foundations, almost as far down as it went up. That's you. The extent of the spread of your life is built on how deep the roots go and how solid the foundation is. And Paul's prayer for us is that we be rooted and established, founded, grounded in love. So that that become the the centerpiece of our very existence. That we be known like our Father more for love than for anything else. If you want to know the heart of God, if you want to get a sense of what it's about, it's about love. Not judgment, not condemnation, not shame, not punishment. All of those things are the dark side of what it means to love. Of what it means to love, which is his true character. So he's praying that you, being rooted and established in love, can have power, have capacity, have the ability, have the strength, together, in community with God's holy people. How many of you know you will never have capacity for the fullness of God that you were built for on your own? It's always community. It's always other people. It's always the root structures of our lives interweaving with the root structures of other lives, right? So that those those thousand-year-old sequoias up north have, have a root structure that has become an organic part of the root structure of the grove in which they are planted. They hold each other up. That's what he's saying. That the foundation be built so that you can grasp, so that you can get a hold of, so that you, because the word, and I love the way that the translation works here, um, this is not just an intellectual apprehension, this is a grab the handles and hang on kind of an awareness, right? So it's not, it's not just know about, it's that you can, because the truth is you don't grasp the love of God, it grasps you. The handles are not on the outside. They're on the inside. This is what he's praying, that you can get a hold of how wide and how long and how high and how deep 
is the love of Christ. And to have an experiential knowledge of this love that surpasses your comprehension, your ability to know. This is, of course, you, you, you know what he's sketching here, don't you? How high and how deep and how wide, how long. He's sketching a cross. Where do you, where do you see the love of God most carefully and fully revealed? Where do you see the power of God most fully revealed? It's not in the speaking of creation into being. It's not in the defeat of his enemies. Any old God in the ancient Near East could be powerful. Our God is weak. He enters into us not with this display of glory which he could do, causing us to cower in terror before him, He can do that. But instead he comes as a baby. He comes as a man who is obedient to death. And on the cross we see the chest, the heart of God torn open. And we look into the very center of the universe. The very essence of what makes the universe function. And there we see the open bleeding wound of a father's heart. For his people. That love of God is what Paul prays that we begin to enter into and experience at the, at the visceral level, at the existential level, that we can get it, that we can grasp it and be grasped by it. And here's, here's the hard part of this. If you... If this prayer gets answered in us, and I pray that it does, it will involve suffering. It will involve a cross for you. It will involve pain. And in fact, for some of you, it is already doing that. As a result of the difficulty you've been through, as a result of the chronic pain that you've experienced, as a result of the illness that you've carried, as a result of the broken relationships that you've had to press through, as a result of the, of the pink slip that you got, or, the, or, or, or as a result of the, of, the, of the notification you've been served, your capacity to love through that pain is being increased. Our capacity to love is increased through the embrace of pain, through the embrace of suffering. It is increased as we lean into that and let it have its way in us. The length and height and depth and breadth of the love of God is revealed in a cross and it will be in you as well. Your capacity to love other people. Your capacity to love yourself. Your capacity to reflect the heart of the Father for the world will be increased as you stop running from the pain that inevitably comes. Now please notice, you don't need to be looking for it. He's not calling us to a cult or a culture of martyrdom. There is plenty of pain to go around. Right? And please notice, God doesn't send any of this stuff. 
He just uses the raw material of our own choices to form us to Christ-likeness. He just uses the decisions we have made that are damaging and destructing. And in this way, in this way, He even redeems our sinful choices. Because sin is self-destruction. And God is at work in all things, even that for good. It cannot separate us from the love of God. He doesn't waste a single pain that you experience, including those that are self-inflicted. Relational. Internal, psychological. He doesn't waste it. He uses it all to answer this prayer. Have you had some bedrock that needed to be jackhammered into submission so that the roots can go down deep and the foundation can be spread. takes a lot of energy, a lot of power to break up that crust that prohibits the roots from going down, that prohibits the foundation from being established, and he is willing to do it. Why? Because you are built for the fullness of God. You were built to image him. Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, 28 says we are created to be God's image. How is your capacity for your own identity to be increased this way? That you image him in love. How do you grow in love? Through the embrace of the life that you actually have to live and not setting it aside because it's not what you plan for. This is hard. But isn't it good to feel the pressure off? I don't have to run from my pain. I can turn and run towards it because I'm bigger than my pain. I'm bigger than my suffering. I'm bigger than what has been done to me. I am not a victim of my own life. I am a child of the Father who is taking advantage of all of this stuff that I have done to myself and that has been done to me to form me into the likeness of His own Son who is most fully revealed on a cross. And He invites us into that same journey. Why? Because we are His image. We are built for His fullness. He needs us to get this right so that we can be useful in partnering with him to save the world. The world does not need to see more demonstrations of power at the center. The world needs to see more demonstrations of love at the center. How is the church known in the New Testament? Look at all of the wonderful things taking place in there. No, look those people love one another. How does this happen? This way. I sat at the, at, the, at the Thanksgiving table, just the five of us this year, and I thought through the 30 years of my oldest son's life, 38 years of our marriage, 35 years of our marriage, it feels like 38 And I realize you don't get to 35 years 
with sweetness and light and joy. You get to 35 years through the embrace of the pain of every day, of every season. And I, I, it was hard for me. I was almost reduced to tears when I realized that seven years in, I had just about blown the entire marriage up. To sit around that table with my sons and laugh with them and get teased by them and tease them back. What a gift that I do not deserve. They have forgiven me for the person I was. And that pain to break up my arrogance and my insecurity and my self-assuredness and my, my sense of, 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 of perfectionism. You can't be married 35 years as a perfectionist. It'll kill you. Can I get a witness? <laughs> right? What happens? Life happens. You don't go looking for it. Nobody in their right mind looks for it. We don't advertise. We don't market for pain. It just shows up. And what then? God is at work to enable you to learn through that pain to live the life you were built to live in the first place. And then he ends it this way. And now, unto him, I love this, who is able to do way more than we can ask or even dream about asking. And notice what he says, according to the power that is already at work in us. To him be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. So his prayer is fundamentally this. I want you to begin to have capacity for the fullness of God, for Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith so that the center holds. And that's my prayer for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for uh, this uh, text that challenges us in, in some pretty powerful ways unspeakable ways for me um, to, 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 to lean into what, what it is that you're calling us to. Oh God, I pray for those of us who are going through those seasons of pain where we feel abandoned, where we feel uh, uh, in distress, for those of us, oh Lord, who have made pain our enemy and are running from it, for those of us, O oh Lord, who have thought of ourselves as a victim, for those of us, O oh Lord, who want to blame anybody and everything else, I pray that we would just stop it and receive this even perhaps as an answer to prayer that this very pain, this stuff that we have done to ourselves and is being done to us will be turned over to you to enable the roots and the foundations of love to be established in our hearts and our capacity for that fullness for which we are built to increase. Let it be so, O oh Lord. In the next few minutes, as Pete leads us, if you'd like to make your way to one of the crosses and the table of the Lord, you can feel free to do that. 
but let's just center our hearts on the love of God for us.